Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to an all-new theater podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is Natasha Yvette Williams from Some Like It Hot. I love this show. It's so energetic, so fun, and her role in this it just amplifies all of this. We get into this really cool conversation. Uh, of course, I ask everybody like why they were performing and why they love doing what they do. And she just goes into uh, this explanation of like having to chase the high of performing and using the energy she gets when she's on stage to turn any bad day into a good one. She can always just use this onstage experience to make herself feel better. And you know what? Fun fact. She mentions this. She does not consider herself a singer, which Oh my gosh, when you hear her in in Some Like It Hot, you would never believe that she was not a singer. Just amazing, amazing, and super talented. And so I think it's untrue. I just choose to not believe her. So with all of that, find me online, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Leave a rating, leave a review wherever you're listening. Make sure you go see Some Like It Hot because, you know, that show brings it. Please enjoy this episode with Natasha Yvette Williams. Today's guest has starred on Broadway in past shows, including the Tina Turner musical, Chicken and Biscuits, Waitress, Chicago, A Night with Janis Joplin, Porgy and Bess, and The Color Purple. National credits include Waitress, Xanadu, The Drowsy Chaperone, and All Shook Up, which, by the way, is still one of my personal favorite shows. Love it. You can catch her in the historic thriller Alice, the Disney Plus movie Better Nate Than Never, and on Netflix in Partner Track, and she is currently on stage, originating the role of Sweet Sue in the current production of Some Like It Hot. Natasha yes. Yvette Williams, welcome to the theater podcast. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Oh my goodness, I love Some Like It Hot. It Ooh. is one of my favorite shows of uh, right now. And God, I wanna, I wanna go. I mean, I'm going from zero to zero to hundred real fast. Okay. I wanna, I cannot stop thinking about the the final. Um, not one of the final, not the final, but one of the near the end of the show, the big chase scene with all the mm -hmm. doors, mm -hmm. and it's the, got the whole cast. It's it's reminiscent of one of these old old timey like I think almost vaudevillian sort yeah. of yeah. Uh, of things though. Like is noise that is off or um, I think it was noises off. They had the big famous door scene or whatever, but we just take it. Take it up a step. Take it up a notch. I think the, the <laughs> whole show the takes it up a notch, and including yeah. including Sweet Sue, right? And so you've been in you've been in so much, so many amazing productions. So when you're when you're a, given a script and you're mm -hmm. like, all right, I want you to put you know your your Natasha touch on mm -hmm. this brand new role. Where do you start with that, right? Ah, I um obviously start with the words and the space and the the character that that the creators have designed, um and then I try to align it to something that's personal to me, like a um, a relative or uh, a character that I'm I'm very interested in. I that I can align some of the the feelings and the actions with, and then I try to fuse myself in into the characters. Sweet Sue was 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 kind of 
not I want I don't want to say easy, but certainly natural to me. She's a nurturer and she's in charge. She reminded me a lot of my aunt Christine, um, who I lost a couple of years ago. But like even her clothes and everything that she wears, I just sort of feel embody um, her spirit in that in the role of Sweet Sue. And so it makes it just fun to visit her every day and to bring her to life um, for the audience because I'm I'm literally just moving through a, a space in a natural way. It's, it's a great, it's the role is, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you and your family are, are running from the mob still. So you're well, in witness yes. protection. Not, not that way, but my, <laughs> my, uncle, my uncle was a little bit of a, a rebel. My aunt was a little bit, she was a very, very church oriented. So they had that sort of yin and yang in their relationship that I got to watch. Um, Throughout the year, so opposites so attract. We weren't we, we weren't running from the mob per se, but um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was fun. It was fun, and they were a fun couple to watch. So I sort of infused a lot of a lot of uh, Sweet Sue into into that into a lot of infused them into Sweet Sue. What style do you prefer? I mean, I, I was going to say, what style do you prefer? Sort of singing in because you got like I mentioned all shook up in the intro. I paused on that because that's you know that's like your big that's Elvis, yeah. and then you've got. Uh, some classic and then like you've got um like throughout the, everything you've done there's been yeah, so much, so much. That, yeah that, that's been sort of ranging across the gamut of styles right is right. this is this sort of fall does this fall into your sweet spot you said the sweet jazz. itself love, is yeah i love jazz yeah. a whole lot gospel is would probably be my favorite what i sing when i'm in a, alone in my room would be gospel I admire jazz singers a lot i i don't think i'm a singer though i feel like i'm an actress and i sort of just sort of fall into not mimicking people, but I haven't really, I don't consider myself a singer, if that sounds crazy, but really? I, even though I make my living as a singer, but you know what I mean? I just, I'm not like, okay, like some of the new kids that are singing now, who am I thinking about? Amber and McCall, Michael Kilgore and all of the runs and stuff they do with their voice. I can't do stuff like that. I can bend a little bit, but I don't really do stuff like that. Even in my show, Jay Harrison Gee is ridiculous. And oh my gosh. um I just don't I don't I don't I'm not confident in that area, I think, as well as I am in terms of just telling stories. I am a storyteller and you give me a script, I'll tell you that story. I'll tell a story, even if it's not the story maybe that the, the creator is designed, but I can come up with a story for it and tell a story. But singing, I'm a little insecure about my singing. And um, Really? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get better, but I'm not, I'm not real confident in that. You know what I just realized? I not just realized, but I read somewhere. You're from North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am too. Which part? I'm from Fayetteville. Oh man, yeah, I, I I grew up in North Wilkesboro, but if if people if people don't know where that is, which mm -hmm. is the the creation of NASCAR, remember the Wilkesboro Speedway is still there. Um, the invention of NASCAR happened there. When Junior yeah. Johnson still lives in Wilkes County somewhere. <laughs> uh, I I say Raleigh Durham because like okay, I lived there for eight years. Too. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So Fayetteville, that's actually a wonderful Come segue. Fayetteville, where where did little little Natasha where how did you start singing? Where did you start performing? Oh, I started singing in church. I started singing in church. Like we had a tiny top choir in my church, and I um used to watch television with my mom and love the reaction of people when I opened my mouth. And even though probably it didn't sound good, but it was cute because I was little or whatever. Um, I just wanted to entertain people and wanted to make people feel things. Um, from a very young age, but that started in church. 
out in the country. I used to sing for the chickens and the pigs. Um, Cause I went to Cape Fear High School out in, in the country, the countryside, the east side of Fayetteville. Hmm. While Fayetteville's a city, I've stayed in the woods. <laughs> were you really, were you literally saying to the chickens and the animals and, yeah. the, and everything? That's what, that's what they tell me. I don't remember that aspect, but we had a chicken coop and uh, I had a captive audience. They would. <laughs> what's the, what's the song? I should know this, but pigs and chickens and something go to wiggle. What's the, what's the song? I don't know that song. I don't know that song. I was singing church songs to the chickens. <laughs> um, I was singing Jesus loves me, you know, or something. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, I I used to I loved it. I was in like choir and uh-huh. uh, uh, magical singers and everything, and and so yeah, well, I had the mix of secular and sacred, and we would yeah. do all, all this stuff growing up. Of course, right, in North right. Carolina, it was it was a it was in my high school, so we had to skirt the line very carefully between oh. church and state, literally. Yes, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Aretha Franklin, because my my parents wouldn't buy me records, so I had to listen to all their records before they started going to church. Um, So it was like Aretha Franklin and Diana Ross and Nina Simone and Al Green. So that's those are the songs that I grew up on. And everybody, all of my friends were like, "Why are you listening to all this old music?" But you know, that's all I had. So they listen to Tina Turner. I didn't listen to a lot of Tina Turner. They didn't. No. They didn't have a Tina Turner thing. So I was going to ask, like going, going, yeah, like going into going into the Tina Turner musical. I was wondering uh, if that like came full circle, you know? No, she loved Tina Turner though. Whenever Tina would come on television, it was a great. It was like everybody come sit down and watch this woman's legs. You know what I mean? It was literally (laughs) in my house. But they didn't have. She didn't own an album for Tina Turner, or at least if she had, it didn't make it to. By the time I was alive, they must have broke it or something. I have no idea. But there wasn't a Tina Turner album in the. But we loved Tina Turner. That all my mother talked about was her legs. <laughs> I literally remember, oh, look at her legs, you know, all of that. So it was, um, we love Tina Turner. So you've got, let's see, Tina Turner and Chicken and Biscuits, which also, mm-hmm. I just love Chicken and Biscuits. Michael Yuri's just, again, yeah. I, got uh, a, I got a special place in my heart for Michael Yuri. Yeah, me too. Miss but, him. Like you got plays, you got musicals, and, and I cannot believe you just said that you're insecure about your singing because yeah. it is beautiful and it's amazing. And you wouldn't continue to get cast doing this stuff if you weren't, I know, you I know, know, good you know, at I'm, it. I'm always amazed at how the perception of people and how how you can be successful. I'm successful. Hey, yay. Very grateful. But still there's this, you know, this inner kind of, not doubt, but 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 questioning sometimes about a lot of things I do. And, and my singing is at the top of that. <laughs> at the top of that so it's not like um i don't know it's crazy but i have well, that a little it's, insecurity. N- it's not unusual for mm-hmm. for you brought for you theater olympians and because broadway is the is the olympics Ooh, of theater isn't it, isn't it? Mm. for you theater olympians to have some imposter syndrome i've heard that yeah, plenty of times. yeah yeah uh, how do you how do you I get not cope. Cope is not the right word, but process it right because I I've been in uh, uh, past situations where um, if there's a particularly high note or if I'm feeling um, under the weather or or whatever the case is, right? Like I'm anticipating ahead of time and getting I'm my own worst enemy, so I start mm-hmm. to 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 tense up, but I start to create that reality that I am afraid is going to happen. So right. how do you avoid that? Ah. Well, it's a constant conversation with yourself, <laughs> you know, um, as you do it. I re- I'm going to share this. I recently, like as in last week, for the first time, hit one of the notes that I was supposed to hit since we opened. Really? We learned a song in, in the, the, the title song, Some Like It Hot. We learned it a certain way. The night before we opened, before we froze it. Yeah, the night before we opened, Mark Shaman uh, wanted me to sing a different line. 
And he just said, okay, here it is, blah, blah, blah. I think they played it or they hummed it or something and said, put it in the show. And I couldn't do it. I was like, every time we got to that place in the music, my my ear, my body would not let me hit this note. I tried it maybe twice live and it, it went awry. And I was like, something in the music is not letting me, my body do it. I can't do it. I need rehearsal. But we didn't have time for rehearsal. <laughs> um, so for two months almost, I never got the line. And then we recorded the album and he wanted those notes on the album. So I did them in the room. And I could do it alone, but I couldn't do it with the band on stage. There was something blocking me on stage that I couldn't get it. But then we start. We had a rehearsal for the album, for the CD, and that's what I needed. And then he was like, oh, we'll try Do Re Mi right before you sing it. And it clicked, and now I've, I'm doing it. But two months of every day doing this show, or every, every six times, eight times a week, and I couldn't get this note. So that's what I mean. It's just like you talk yourself out of it. So how do I cope with it? I say that everything is a um, a lesson, a challenge, uh, and a blessing. You know, I am working every day on the process of being the best Natasha I can be, and and that means that whatever job I'm giving right now, it's currently Sweet Sue, that I have to be the best Sweet Sue that every audience member walks in and sees. So. Some days Sue's right on top of everything and some days she's not. So I have to give myself permission to not be perfect, to not get everything right, to not, you know, um, beat myself up when those human aspects come into um, the portrayal of this role and to the process of me building my myself, Natasha, up because I'm learning every day how to produce the best product, which I'm the product, you know, I'm the product and what I offer is the product. So I have to forgive us a lot of forgiveness, a lot of conversations with yourself and a lot of understanding that the process is what the goal is, not the, the finished product. The process of learning how I put together my notes, learning how I put together my lines, those kinds of things. As long as I get that process down pat and understand what it is for me, then whatever I'm given, I can achieve it. It might take two months, but I can get there. So, so that's it. That's what I do. I forgive myself a lot. I laugh at myself a lot. And um, I keep trying. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Hang on a second. All right. Back to the episode. Is there someone's, let's get into some, some stuff that you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Is there, is there somebody's validation that, that just means everything to you? Like, you got you got a friend, you got a mom, you got like somebody who's just like is I, I'm having the worst day ever, and if this person says that I'm okay, that I'm gonna do okay. Wow, you ought to make me cry. That used to be my mother, I think, um, just because she was in everything, you know, just in it with me, um, saying the lines with me, sitting in the audience, mouthing stuff as I'm on stage, be like, "Mom, stop doing that, please, stop, <laughs> stop saying my lines with me." It used to be my mother. Um, my sister is very close to it, but she's very hard to please. So I don't find that validation in her that much. So I, I really don't. I really don't give it to anybody else now. I used to. It used to be. Oh my God! If I this just this this person or that person or. But I think I've kind of learned that it's more important for me to be happy with whatever I'm doing to do my best, and then it takes the pressure off. You know. So because because there was a moment where I was like, Oh my God! I can't get this note. I can't get this note. But I was like, You know what? I'm still working at it. I work at it every day and I can get it off stage. I don't know why I can't do it. Something in the music is wrong, you know. I don't know why I can't do it, you know, when it's on stage. But now the validation really comes from me. 
I have to just sort of, because I'm, I'm hard on myself. I don't think I find it in anybody else, but before it was my mother, but my mother passed in 2017. I'm sorry. And it didn't even matter what I did. Everything was going to be good enough for her. But I, even if I felt bad about it, she would make me feel like it was enough. There's so. something important that you said, and it, 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 you said it real quick, and I want to call it mm-hmm. out for everybody listening now, is that mm-hmm. you, you now you don't give it. You don't give that validation to others. Mm-mm. And and I, I love that you, you said the word give because mm-hmm. it's a choice sure. to rely on others to feel good about yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've learned, that, I've learned that. I've learned that. I wasn't doing that in the beginning. You know, it's no, constantly I, chasing, you know, constantly chasing that, that either that job or that yes, or that, that, that validation. And, um, and it's exhausting and it doesn't serve me. It didn't serve me very well um, to constantly be measuring up, putting myself up against other people. So now I sort of just try to compete with myself and make myself a little better. That's hard. That can be equally as hard, though, as someone who is equally as critical of oneself (laughs) as I am. (laughs) I get it. I'm like, is this episode as good as the last one? Am I getting better? Are we going to like this work? Oh, man, it is tough. I know it's hard. So um, what I was saying, though, originally was was between the musicals and the plays. We brought Mm -hmm. up Chicken and Biscuits and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Because of of the lack of singing in a play, do -hmm. you prefer... Plays, TV, movie, aside from musicals, because like again, there's something about musicals that is just cannot be beat. But in terms of stress, vocal fatigue, uh, energy required, right? Like musicals are the hardest. They're again oh, the, Olymp- the Olympics. Definitely the hardest. I definitely love um, doing plays and TV as well. There's there, but there is something about that downbeat you know dropping on in a musical that is is just a rush especially this particular production of some like a hot i can't remember having as much fun as i have every night um in some like a hot mm-hmm. not just because it's a comedy but it 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 just is so well crafted that it makes me uh appreciate or and, and understand why i got into um musical theater at all, you know, because it is such a, it's a traditional um, story and the structure is so traditional and classic, but the message and the presentation of it is so current and so validating and so needed right now that I think it's just one of the best um, productions I've ever been in. And it's definitely um, one of my better roles and I'm just having, I'm just having the best time in a musical. Now, certainly if it was a play and just <laughs> funny, I would be, oh, I'll be fabulous. <laughs> then I wouldn't be doubting myself every night. Am I going to be able to hit this note? You know, that kind of thing. And could I do it if I wasn't feeling well? Um, I think plays, sometimes I can I can do that. I can muster up whatever I'm supposed to have if I'm not feeling well. Whereas, you know, a musical, I've got to have at least most of the notes. You know, I can talk through some, but I got to gotta be at my best tip top shape to run around and all the things you have to do in a musical. It so. is running. It is literal running uh, throughout that yeah. show. Yes. Yes. That, that's that's the, the comedy, the vaudevillian <laughs> aspect of, of what's in there. And, and keeping up the energy level, I feel like it's one of those, one of the casts where you're always trying to like kind of one up each other on energy mm-hmm. in a good way, in a good way, not yep. one up each other. Maybe it's the wrong way, but uh, you're encouraging each other. You're building yep. each other up, right? Like Definitely. just the way Christian and Jay and, and Adriana 
and everybody just it's phenomenal the yeah. way that all of you gel together it's crazy and you never know what's going to come out of christian's mouth and face and hand and body <laughs> um so you have to always be prepared for him to oh my god he's he, he started using this voice on sunday in one of the scenes and he was like having a cold he said he had a cold so he was pretending like you know he's talking out his nose or something crazy and i was like <laughs> i'm not gonna laugh I wanted to like sort of mimic him because I was like mad at him as Sweet Sue. It was it was the funniest thing. And I thought, how genius of you to say, you know, I have this bronchitis and then do a bronchial voice. You know what I mean? It was just but he hasn't had never done it before. But we were it's just all about everybody just seems to be very concerned and skilled at growing and not changing the show so much, but growing in the roles and allowing the people, the characters to breathe. And um, that's what's really exciting about working with Jay and Adriana and especially that crazy Christian because he is constantly growing and we're constantly evolving and learning things about the characters. And it's like, oh, maybe that's what that means or that could mean that. So there's several ways to explore the words. And um, we do that weekly in this show. It's so great. I love it. And especially with the message, what it is, and, mm -hmm. and and the movie, this is an adaptation of the movie, yes. Some Like It Hot, that was released in 1959. Yes. And I we say some things that the movie probably couldn't say. No. You know, at that time, you know, so, yeah. But but given the circumstance of, of men who are dressing as women and uh, and... Just the way that it's presented, it, it came across um, in 1959, it had so much success. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's why I suspect that the, the production team was like, oh, let's adapt it. It'd be a great musical. Let's put it on stage. Mm -hmm. And, but God, like this role was, like like Jay was born to play this role. Mm -hmm. right? I, I agree. Yep. And watching, watching them, uh, actually, I, I interviewed Jay long before some like it hot open mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it was on this podcast actually that they came out as as non-binary okay. and and then knowing because some like it hot i don't even think it'd been announced yet or it had just been announced i didn't mm -hmm. know much about it but like watching jay's transformation eight mm -hmm. times a week mm -hmm. do you, like do you feel like sweet sue is sort of the mother i feel like the mother of yeah. the of the show right that motherly mm -hmm. role do you feel mm -hmm. like the sense of pride of accomplishment, like watching this and what you were just saying, speaking to what you were saying about everybody kind of finding these little nuances night after night that maybe weren't there before. Like mm -hmm. how has that changed across for, for you watching everybody else? Mm -hmm. Because you're on scene, you're on stage so much with everybody else exploring yeah. these deep emotional uh, corners of their minds. Right. I, I it, Watching Jay uh, transform every night is, has been, um, I don't know. This this show has given me so much. But with every person on stage, I try to find a moment where Sweet Sue has with them, where she's either chastising them or whatever she's feeling about whoever it is, to have a, a really personal moment. Jay and I relationship develops because she starts as you know as Daphne comes into the group, and I don't know them that well. And then he he sort of stands up for me at a certain point, and and she she stands up for me at a certain point, and she. Um, speaks out against uh, Josephine, who has uh, got a different kind of energy. So I'm develop our, our relationship is growing. And by the end of it, I, I do feel like she's my daughter, you know, um, 
and I, I hate what is happening and, and the trend. I don't want to, I don't know if she'll be talking about what happens in the story, but um, I worry about her and I get a little bit more connected to her than I do Josephine. And so it is a very nurturing relationship. And I love the way that it unfolds, that it grows and that I, it takes me by surprise by the time we get to the end. And um, so, yeah, it, I'm having, uh, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. It literally is a gift to me um, being in the show and figuring out, oh my gosh, how many times do I look at Abby? How many times do I see Devin? You know, the, 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 the ladies in the ensemble and what can I do to establish that I actually talk to them and that I know them and that we can have a relationship on stage. So I try to do that with everybody at some point. And every, haven't gotten around to everybody in the show, but that's what my goal is, that there's something displayed on stage that tells that I have a relationship with this person. And it's different than this relationship with the other person. That's what I'm doing every day. Well, so you had said, you said earlier that when you approach new material, you, you make it personal and you, mm -hmm. you start with the lines and all that. And then... Um, I, know, I mean, obviously, it's an obvious answer. I was like, oh, then, then it's a different when you start rehearsing. Of course, it's different. Mm -hmm. But um, when when you're going through that rehearsal process, it's it's interesting to me that you mentioned that now that like even still being open for a couple months, that you're still mm -hmm. finding those moments sure. with all of the individual cast or the individual characters. Right. Um, so is it? Are you looking for that sort of thing? the connection, the relationship from the beginning, like when you literally are just given the script and and start you know mechanically I mean, memorizing the lines or does it have to be on its feet first i i for me i think it has to be on its feet i mean i'm so not panicked but so focused on making sure i know the words you know in the beginning making sure i know where i'm supposed to be the blocking and all of the outside things and then the internal things happen um i learn the words and i learn where i'm supposed to be when i say the particular words but then the life around that particular moment hits me so then I react and respond to that. So that's part of why it takes a minute to develop. You know, I think that's part of the reason why you have previews and you have all these things before you open so that you can sort of flesh out stuff that happens. But even beyond opening, you know, you're still growing into to who the people are. And you're like, ah, oh, now I can because then you're so, oh, can I do it? Can I do it? Are we going to do it? And how is it going to be received? It's all those nerves and stuff in the beginning are, are there and they're right on the surface. Whereas now you just sort of relax into who it is and it's like, and things make more sense sometimes. So that's where I am now in terms of finding those relationships every day with people on stage. That, that's very cool you said that because I was kind of putting in a perspective of the timeline, right? So you're rehearsing and then mm -hmm. you go, you start doing invited dress and mm -hmm. it, like what makes the crew laugh seeing it over and over and over again is completely different than what makes the audience laugh for first yeah. time seeing it, right? Mm -hmm. So the audience becomes a character. So you have to like hold for laughter, see what works, see what beats don't, you know, right. and right. that that's a that's a process and that changes every single night because the audiences are different every night. Yeah. And um I guess this speaks to sort of I mean sort of Meisner technique if I want to get technical about it, because mm -hmm. you can once the show is locked, right? Yeah, like you said, you got the stress of mm -hmm of saying the same thing uh, or during previews, the show's not locked. You're, you're changing things, sometimes adding yes. and uh, cutting completely different songs and yes. scenes and lines and all that. But then once the show is locked, you're saying the same thing over again, mm -hmm. which again, go to the Meisner thing. It's like, you could say the, the phrase, I see you, but then you say it again, I see you. 
or then I see you. Like right. everyone, every every way to say all those three sentences are right. completely different meanings. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what we're doing every day. Not necessarily changing the meanings, but certainly if things are different, like if I, if somebody's coming, okay, this is an example, and that's not a great example because I didn't do it as well as I should have. But one day we came to it was before opening. It was right before we opened, so this was a preview. We we're still changing stuff. And we got to work and they announced that one of the cast members had COVID and would not be in the show and would not do the opening and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, I was devastated. <laughs> I was devastated for them and for us. And so I went out and did the opening number that is this big come to, come on, let's have a great time, inviting the audience into the space. And I was just regular. It was nothing, because um, I was bummed. You know what I was? I was like, oh, uh, and, and I performed that way. And after the show, or I think it was after the show, um, Casey, our director, came up to me. He said, you know, Natasha, that opening number, I don't know exactly what it said. I'm paraphrasing. That opening number sets the energy for the rest of the show. And I know, you know, some stuff is happening. We got a little bit of a kick in our gut, but we got to set the energy for the show, no matter what is going on. Because if we don't, then we lose it. If that moment is not quite right, then the audience doesn't know if they're going to be able, if they're free to clap or laugh or, you know, during this dance, you know, they don't know if that opening number isn't right. And um, that to me was like, hey, Set it, do it every time, and and what regardless of what is happening to you, um, and around you, that moment has got to be on. I don't know why we started this conversation. Um, I don't know what question I'm asking, but <laughs> but it made sense to me in the moment. But I I I don't know what we, what were we talking about. But I'm saying that all that to say that I allowed my environment to sort of cover what I how I performed and in that opening number I try very de desperately not to do that ever again because I recognize how the trajectory of the show and the energy went because of how I felt about our missing cast member um we were we were talking about uh how saying the exact same line in a different way has a completely different meaning yeah I said those things the same words but they totally were covered with oh poor me you know what I mean as opposed to come on and celebrate with us and we're going to have a good time tonight. So I, I did not say those words properly that night. <laughs> that that's night. actually, that's, that's really good kind of paraphrasing of years of acting training mm -hmm. is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Right, right, right. Which right. is also great in personal, interpersonal relationships in real life too. Definitely. <laughs> right. My husband talks to me all the time about my tone and how I um, sometimes don't say things I'm, I mean, I'm meaning them a certain way, but it sounds like I'm talking about something else. So I have to work on, have to work on my tone, my delivery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, sometimes I'm like, look, I'm really, I'm really trying to be helpful and yeah. I don't know how to say it any other way besides like, okay, say the same <laughs> words, just say them a little bit differently. Okay, I got it. I got it. All right. All right. Got yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Hang on a second. All right. Back to the episode. I guess being the uh, the puppet master, right? You are setting the tone. You are controlling mm -hmm. the you're controlling the tone of the entire show. This behemoth of a machine, right? Yeah. Like when he, when Casey Casey Nicola, phenomenal director oh, choreographer, yes. right? When mm -hmm. he says this to you, are you like, oh, "Okay, cool," or are you like, "Oh, 
Oh, okay, cool. No, it was the second one. It was like, <laughs> oh, because at that moment, not only did I, I understand the weight of what he was saying, I also understood how I didn't do it <laughs> and, and how I didn't ever want to present that way again. And I know that our the, the guy that was not with us wouldn't want that either. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it deserved, did a disservice to the show and to everything for me to feel bad about something that I had no control over. So I had to just, do, and I do have control over my performance. So I have to do that. I have to, to rise up, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it sets, and we're going back again to like, mm -hmm. uh, if the cast is, is always trying to like make, build each other up and, and yeah. help each other be on the same level. Like if you set the bar high, you can only go higher and that's going right. to elevate. Yeah. That's going to elevate everything. Yeah, yeah. That's really good metaphor. Um, <laughs> We, we sort of skipped over one of the basic questions I asked yeah. people at the very beginning when mm -hmm. I want to circle back to, which was like, when did you decide that musical theater was for you, that performing was for you? Because you could be a singer, you could like go in, if you're, if you're heavy into, into church, there's a number of different paths, you can go down that route as well. But why, why theater? Why musical theater? What happened there? I think I, I knew uh, once I figured out, I came to New York and, as a high school student and went to um, the, the, my school chose what show we were going to see. And we went to see um, Lily Tomlin in uh, Intelligent Signs, Life, the Universe. It was a long title. Across the street was Ch Sweet Charity and it had Debbie Allen's name on the marquee. And I was crying because I wanted to go over there. And um, I didn't know Lily Tomlin. At, at that time. And I did know Debbie Allen. I was like, no, why did we pick this show? I want to go to this show. Anyway, so obviously we didn't. We went to Lily Tomlin and I was mesmerized by this woman captivating uh, this one woman show and her doing these characters and captivating this audience by herself on stage. And I thought, this is something people do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get paid for this. There's, there's nobody, there's, Okay, so it's not that I wanted, I decided at that point that that's what I wanted to do, but I did, it did spark something in me like, this is moving people. She's moving me. This is a visceral experience. Um, and I was absolutely taken with it. For, fast forward years later, I came back to New York and I, was, I came to New York to be on the Apollo and sing. Then I stayed. Um, after college, I went, you know, went to, I studied acting and that's what I wanted to do. And I stayed here and musical theater sort of chose me because I thought I was going to be doing plays. I really thought I was going to be acting and just, but you know, obviously there's generally not this year, there's generally more musicals than there are plays or there's more opportunity for more people to get involved in a musical, um, than there are in the, sh in plays. So musical theater sort of chose me. I, I just sort of kept auditioning for things and, and I was like, oh, well, they don't dislike how I sing. And I must, I have to fall in love more with how I sing so that I can present the best in the best way and be confident when I go into the room. But um, I also saw Ragtime for the, it was the first show that I, I moved in 97 or 98, I can't remember. But that was the first Broadway show I saw after moving to New York. And I remember at intermission, going downstairs into the basement and getting on the payphone because they had payphones then and I didn't have a cell phone and calling my mother and saying, this is why I want to do this. What I'm seeing here huh, is why I want to perform and um, 
have people feel like I was feeling in that audience. I wanted to share that and create that memory for people. Wow. <laughs> okay, I need some tissue. <laughs> I don't have any. I don't have any. You want to take um, a moment? Um, but that is what's so interesting to me that, and I, I, I guess it's why I, I was I took my kids to see um, Hercules the other day at Paper Mill. Paper Mill, yeah. And I'm constantly trying to give them that feeling, you know, that first, that first show that you go to, and um, and you're moved in such a way that you find something to cling on to, to hold on to, that may be a part of your future, your happiness, your joy. Um, and so we still, I'm still trying to take them to find that show. But that is always the goal for me to be somebody's experience because it changed me and gave me a hope that still is with me. And I, and I think we'll never leave that so many people don't have. And that if they just got to the right production or the right piece of art or the right uh, music or the right song, or they just heard those things that would help change them inside um that's what i'm living for to give people that that experience that first experience that that stays with you i'm sort of i'm speechless i feel the same i feel i understand completely what you're saying because i remember that touchstone for me i remember um i mean there, there's so many people so many stories that the i'm sure you've got these stories yourself too of like back when stage dooring was the common thing right yeah. you get somebody who's who's seen not only your show for the first time but they've seen that's their first broadway show yeah. and that's their first ex time experiencing going on an emotional journey with a room full of strangers i say this i say this all the time in this podcast mm. like that's what i missed about the, the pandemic was what i mean live theater brings people together because we're yeah. all all of a sudden i mean in theory nobody's on their phone Right. And, and right. we're all facing the same direction, metaphorically or physically, however, whatever you believe in, we're all vibrating on the same level for that, for mm -hmm. that little bit of time and going yeah. on a journey in a way that you cannot get in any other medium. That's why storytelling is one of the oldest mediums. Yes. Right. Yeah. Storytelling and, and dance and song mm -hmm. is, there's mm -hmm. a reason that every single culture has it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, life changing life-changing absolutely so yeah. i actually think this is a wonderful place there i want to wrap up with uh three closing questions i ask everybody to end okay. the episode first one very simply is just what motivates you hmm. i absolutely have joy every time i go on stage i am motivated and chasing that high of performing really because it is an offering to me makes me so very happy. I It's not work to me. It makes me so happy. And regardless of whatever's happening outside in my life, or I can get to the stage and I can not release it all, but certainly transcend it, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And if it's great, I'm going higher. If it's bad, I'm going higher. And I get to do that on stage. That motivates me. And also the idea of knowing that for someone, it is their first time, and maybe they're going through something that this show can help them with, this story can help them with. And so that's very encouraging to me. And I love the possibility. And because I might not ever know 
that I changed somebody's um, trajectory by, by them watching me perform. But I imagine that that happens every night. And so I live for that. I work toward that. Changing people trajectories. You could, you could literally change their whole life in mm-hmm. two and a half hours of a job for you. Yeah. You're changing someone's entire life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, that's brilliant. Yeah. All right. Next, next question is, okay. what, did, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Okay. Definitely. I would try to tell myself to not be a procrastinator <laughs> and to be as prepared as you can be when you go in the room. So that that confidence is what is leading you as opposed to doubting anything that you have to offer. I would tell myself that you are a singer. You are enough. You are fabulous. And if they don't use you, it's because that job wasn't for you. I would tell myself oh, so much that every no gets me closer to my yes. I would tell myself that whatever is for me is for me. And no one can take it. Even if it's delayed, no one can take what is what belongs to me. That's what I tell myself. Mm, let that sit in. That is beautiful. All right. Last question then. If you okay. can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? I think I'd see some like it hot. <laughs> wait, wait, existentially. Were with you in it or... Wait, when are you going to take a vacation day and get to see it? I want to see it with me in it. But I think the show is so good. I really do. And I think it makes people, again, feel and ask themselves questions. Am I a part of the group of people embracing and making things better? Or am I a part of the group that is shutting people out and isolating groups of people? I would love to see this show because I think I would end up on the right side of that. Mm-hmm. If there's a right side, I'd, I'd end up on the side of embracing and encouraging and accepting people. I think our show is um, full of access to groups that aren't necessarily, that might not have ever been to a show. I, I think our show is full of access windows that you can get in and receive something. And so that's the kind of show I would love to um, to see every day or over and over again. I call so, them access doorways. They're bigger than windows. Yes, they are. Doorways, doorways. Open the door, walk on through. Mm-hmm. I love that. I agree. Where can we find you online, on social media, on the web? I am on, uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, NatashaEvettWilliams.com, whatever it is. Natasha Evette Williams is my whole name. And uh, at right for yeah on instagram yeah (laughs) i really need to i'm gonna do better i'm gonna do better in terms of getting on i'm not on twitter i am but i'm not on it i mean i got a thing but i'm not on that and i'm on facebook i'm 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 mature but i'm starting to get more into the social stuff you can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. Find me, leave a rating, re- leave a review wherever you are listening. And thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Natasha, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. Thank I think you. you are phenomenal at everything you do, especially singing. <laughs> thank you. Thank and you. I, I love having this conversation. You are so beautiful inside thank and out. I love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it.
breath make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.